Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And uh, good to have Sean on board, as always, and some interesting topics to talk about today. And let's start with this one, the PIAA. Uh, 75 schools are going to get together and stay college 12 days from now on the 24th. And guess what? They're going to talk about uh, what are we doing with public schools versus charter and non-private schools. Or excuse me, and private schools. Okay, what are we going to do about it? Do they break away? Do they break away? Okay. From the PIAA. Do they? Or status quo. The problem is this. Every time you turn around, you feel like, hey, look, York Central Catholic. Feel like I know the roster. <laughs> They're in every final. Right? That's what you're that's what people are fighting right now. And Sean, it is a topic that we've talked about before. Now, you know, now we've Normally, the person sitting in that chair that's talked about it was so bitter about it that you couldn't because it was keeping him from making playoff money. Yes. <laughs> Priorities so out of line, but yeah, it has been a it has been a topic of concern, and it has rubbed people the wrong way uh, that love high school sports uh, the past few years. Yeah, you're right. It just seems like uh, private school versus private school. You know, blank Catholic. You fill in the blank as to what town that school is in, as to who makes it to a football final or who makes it to uh, Hershey to the Giants Center for a basketball championship. Or a charter school. Yes. Or a charter school. That's the other one. Charter schools are also involved in this as well. So, and the numbers in recent years, oh, look, it's Allentown Central Catholic. Great, fabulous. It's Bishop, fill in name of Bishop here. Okay, it's York Central Catholic. It's Central Catholic in Pittsburgh. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, I'll tell you a dominant one that is in the central part of the state that's just down the road from here is Bishop Guilfoyle. Obviously, they've been great in basketball. They've been great in football. Yeah, they had a winning streak of something like 30-plus games in football. I may be jipping them some wins, but, yeah, they had a long stretch of wins uh uh, for their football program there in Altoona. Or as I like exactly. to call them, the Altoona Vatican. <laughs> well, I mean, but, I mean, that's the example that we're talking about here. Yeah. And a, lot, and a lot of people in Altoona are bitter because they feel 
that they have not been as competitive in football and in basketball because of the Bishop Guilfoyle influence that people are choosing to pay to send their child to Bishop Guilfoyle to compete in sports. And it's hurt the public school. Uh, There is no solution to take care of that. There is no solution. And the only solution, because, I mean, do you want to take an entity like Bishop Guilfoyle and you have to be you have to be a great athlete that say lives in Huntington. And I was like oh, Huntington, what you know? Remember John O'Corn, who started at Houston and threw it for over three thousand yards, grew up in Huntington. So Huntington can produce great athletes. What is to keep? Now he didn't go to Bishop Guilfoyle. He actually went down. He lived with his grandparents. He played at a school at an academy down in Florida. That happens too. But do you want to deny uh, someone the ability to go to a school like that uh, by making it territorial when the family may feel? I mean, for all you know, you can't know what's in a in a the minds and hearts of a family when they do something like this. Maybe they strongly believe pick pick a name strongly believe in a Catholic education but there isn't a Catholic school in their town I mean you're supposed to read how, how are you supposed to read into that how are you supposed to make rules around that I mean what's you know would there be a big one in our area here I mean that can do that who would that be Sean anybody because there's obviously a lot in Allentown and Philly well, the one Catholic York, school York that Harrison. comes to mind here in the valley would be uh, Lourdes Regional just outside okay. of Shemokin in uh, Cold right. Township and for quite a while they had a uh, yeah. very long yeah. steep tradition in girls basketball right yes they did uh, York Central Catholic seems to be there every year Trinity we can go through the long list. I think everybody knows what the list is because they've seen it over and over again show up in Hershey and for a period of time when they was here in State College. But that's um, but how do you restrict that other than knocking them out completely and having them play their own state championship? I mean, is that the solution? That you say only public schools can be in the PIAA and only public schools can compete for a PIAA state championship and that the charter and and non-public schools phrase it that way they have to compete for their own title so now you end up with you know 12 state champions instead of 6 it would be curious to see you just put the private schools on this side public schools to the right side it'd be i'd be really curious to see just the private schools as to uh, population per school, just to see how it maps out. It, you know, it'd be curious to see you, you list at the top the uh, schools that have the highest population. I bet there'd be a very—I wouldn't be surprised if there'd be a very fast drop-off 
and maybe people well, within yeah. that private school realm will be thinking, well, there's just too many there's too many of these smaller private schools at the bottom of the barrel, and if you have just a private only tournament that it wouldn't be fair. It would just be the top the top feeders of that list that would get through. Well it's kinda of like a beef within a uh, beef, a gripe within a gripe. But we've also had but school con- consolidation, right? And school con- consolidations also meant larger school districts. Like, if you just have the private schools, like, how many classes would you break them up into? Like, right now, you got, like, for hoops, like, you got, you know, for football, you've got six classifications now in Pennsylvania. Like, would you keep it at six, or would you whittle it down to three or four? Oh, I think you, I think based on numbers, you'd whittle it down to three or four. But you're trying to conduct a, quote, state championship. Okay. Maybe you do it like Indiana used to do it. And people in Indiana don't like how they do it now. They do it the same way we do. Maybe when it comes to basketball, for example, you just get out there and start playing one by one, you get eliminated. <laughs> Until there's a state champion. That's right. Indiana did that for quite a while, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Now, obviously, the larger school is going to have the advantage over the smaller schools. That's why Hoosiers was such a popular movie, because it's actually, I mean, uh, was it Hickory is the name of the school in the movie? And that was what Milan, Milan High School was the was the uh, school that actually is the one that they are um, making the movie about from 1951, 52, something like that. They were the tiny school... That knocked off all the big people and won the state title. Now, look, I mean, that's one time it happened. But, hey, maybe you go to that. And if two, uh, if a charter school is suddenly facing a Catholic school for the title, so be it. Yeah, the way they used I, to do it in Indiana, it reminds me of uh, the FA Cup in England for, for, for soccer. Yeah, they right. It's every single team from every classification. So you're talking the top 20 in the Premier League, and you could get knocked off by a team that's all the way down in, in level 7. That's right. like 700-plus teams. Yeah, so um, they're going to meet here on the 24th. I think it's a worthy discussion. I think that has, unless you completely uh, pull out of the or get them to say no to the Catholic schools and the charter schools. I mean, essentially that's what they are. You know, non-public schools and charter schools. I think it's the only way that they that you know that suddenly the public school will be back in the driver's seat. It's the only way to do it. Now do you want to do that? Is that too radical a solution? Um, because again the entire goal is to get one person more playoff money. So, oh, sorry. It's amazing how the chief never complains. No. I don't think I've ever heard him complain. No. Not even on the uh, golf course. Oh, he's about as... He's with us anyway. Oh, with us, he's great. Sure is. Um, Chief's fabulous. The other guy... Oh, these, these schools are just... They're wrecking my career. Nah, you did that all by yourself. All right, we'll come back with more. In a, no. <laughs> we'll come back with more in a moment. Uh, News Radio 1070 WKOK.
SMC blocks of new Ford trucks. Over 40,000 trucks sold. SMC is where you want to be. Sunbury Motors Ford has over 110 new Ford trucks. And during July, they'll include a complimentary accessory package. With the purchase of any new F-150 through July 31st, receive a tonneau cover, molded flash cars, and window deflectors at no additional charge. SMC is where you want to be because they have the largest selection of new Ford trucks in all of central Pennsylvania. And that means the biggest savings. Take up to $13,500 off on new F-150s. And SMC has them starting as low as $26,669. Save up to seven grand on 2018 Ford Escapes. And they're slashed as low as $19,380. 2018 Explorers, Edges, and Expeditions will also be clearly marked with discounts up to eight grand. SMC is where you want to be in July for this mega summer spectacular sale and the complimentary F-150 accessory package. Sunbury Motors in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. F-150 accessory package valued at $6.99. Excludes prior sales and older units. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. It's going to be an interesting meeting to see what they want to do with it. It's on July 24th uh, here in State College, as a matter of fact. So that is going to be an interesting one coming up. I'm going to talk uh, some Big Ten football. When I get back from my vacations, about, I think, the time that they're going to have the Big Ten meetings, you know, where you know they have the luncheon and everything that goes with that. Because I had to vote on the uh, All Big Ten preseason watch list this morning. I, yeah, I had to do it by Monday. I just did it today. I did everything today. Um, and so I made my vote there. And the uh, the interest in this season in the Big Ten is huge and it's going to be one that no one's perfect in this league. You know, Penn State, you look at Penn State and you say, okay, you know, what are you going to do at linebacker and what are you going to do, you know, I, even though I think they're perfectly fine at running back, you know, well, no Saquon Barkley. I got that. I think in the end, Barkley, uh, Miles Sanders, about a third of the way into the season is going to have everybody talking about Miles Sanders. and Because uh, I think the offensive line, I think, can be that much better, and Sanders can be that good. Yeah, I haven't hit the panic button just with the, you know, oh, yeah, you're like you just said, oh, no, no Saquon. But yeah, you have, uh, no, no Deshaun Hamilton and, uh, no Mike Isicki. But still, uh, this Penn State fan here not hitting the panic button because you still got a great cube back there. And, yeah, we have a new offensive coordinator, but we really don't have a new offensive coordinator. And you know that just yeah. as well as anyone else with uh, Ricky Ronnie now running the show. Right, exactly. But, you know, but you also, what Mike Kosicki gave you, which was spectacular downfield, you might in the trenches be better off with a couple of the other guys, like a Johnny Holland or a, or a Nick Bowers or Pat Fryermuth or somebody like that. Uh, and when you then look at what other people do. Michigan, I think, is the most intriguing one of all for obvious reasons. It's interesting that under Jim Harbaugh, Michigan has had 
outstanding defenses. Now, remember, he inherited a lot of really good talent from Brady Hoke. Brady Hoke recruited really, really well. And a lot of people don't seem to sometimes put together, like Harbaugh's best year at Michigan was his first year. Well, I don't know those guys were his guys. But defensively, obviously they have recruited some good guys. Lavert Hill, Rashawn Gary, guys like that. Chase Winovich. Devin Bush. I mean, defensively, they've been really good. The problem is, of all the things I never expected from Michigan, I never expected them to be so pedestrian offensively. I mean, because I mean, Jim Harbaugh is a is an offensive guy, but he, how he wants to play. This is what's going to interest me most about this upcoming season. It's going to start right out of the gate with Notre Dame. How does he want to play? Shea Patterson, Shea Patterson is a dual-threat quarterback. Harbaugh, who got so much credit for making the switch from Alex Smith to Colin Kaepernick when he was with the 49ers and they got to the Super Bowl, has not been... At Michigan, he's been a drop-back, you know non-RPO guy so far you know, is he changing that because of his quarterback because last year in the first team they had no first team selections on offense none yeah just with the last... quarter, yeah just with the quarterback pedigree that uh, that Harbaugh brought to the table and just with his track record of being a quarterback in college and in the pros you'd think there'd be an automatic you know first team quarterback out of Michigan every single year but but there was so much pressure on him and that team i remember i trying to remember the first game it was he when he was at head coach i think it was a it was a primetime game at utah and just the the lights were so bright not only on the program but Harbaugh himself to just be hugely successful right out of the gate yeah, but he, but he creates some of that himself. You notice he's really toned down the last year. I think he kind of figured, hey, look, I need to buckle down and win some games here. I can't be messing around all the time. Um, but that's been the biggest surprise, the fact that he cannot recruit a four-year quarterback. Can't recruit one. That That's... He really lucked out his first year. Now, because now that's an area where Brady Hoke left him Bear in the cover was the quarterback spot. So they got really fortunate that Jake Rudock was allowed to transfer within the Big Ten as a grad transfer from Iowa to Michigan. And Rudock was outstanding, I thought. And he... um, but since then, he gets O'Corn, which we just mentioned him, and now he gets Patterson. His his top recruits at the quarterback spot, Sean, have been all transfers. Why hasn't Jim Harbaugh been able to recruit a quarterback? That's been one of the more baffling things about his tenure at Michigan. I thought that would be the one position where you'd sit back and say, well, no matter what, he always has himself a quarterback. He's been there four years. He hasn't recruited anybody to play the spot. 
his adaptability to his personnel is going to be very interesting to watch right out of the gate, starting with Notre Dame. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We'll have a guest later from Pelicans.com on Tony Carr and the New Orleans Pelicans. Summer League. As always, too much is made of these things. It's interesting how years ago I would think, hey, it would be great if people could see this just to see it. And now there's a part of me that's like, uh oh. And the reason is that we we don't have the ability to put it into the proper perspective. And without perspective, then it makes, to me, the experience of watching some of this stuff meaningless. Summer League is like double and triple A baseball. It's what it is. You don't make too much of it either way. Uh, it's this day in sports history. Cy Young of the Red Sox picked up his 300th career win. What's interesting about that, he was still 211 wins away from his final total of 511 wins. Cardinals and Cubs in 1931 combined to hit a major league record 23 doubles. 1984, Steve Carlton, his 100th strikeout of the season for the 18th consecutive year, doing it with the Philadelphia Phillies. And then last but not least, Sean, in 1979, with a young suit in tow, at Comiskey Park in Chicago, Disco Demolition Night led to fans taking the field after a box of disco records was blown up. The White Sox were forced to forfeit the second game of the doubleheader to the Detroit Tigers due to the condition of the field. (laughs) Disco demolition night. Yeah. They should have saw it coming. Probably. (laughs) To be honest with you, you're probably right. Probably right. Disco Demolition. Then again, the disco era still went strong for another year after that. The last number one song in the disco era was Funky Town, late spring 1980. My parents parents in the 70s took disco lessons. Now, it was something they were able to do together in the whole thing, but they actually took disco lessons. Cranked up little Van McCoy in the living room, did the hustle. I... Well, we refer to them as Disco Barb and Disco Run. <laughs> Indeed, you should have. <laughs> uh, but but they did, and because at the time that was the thing to do. All right, Ken Hickman with the All Sports Museum. Uh, I had a chance to talk with him earlier today. The arts festivals are going on right now here. Uh, the Central Pennsylvania Festival of the Arts began with their sidewalk sales today in downtown State College and on the Penn State campus running through Sunday. People's Choice Arts Festival is taking place at the Military Museum grounds in Ballsburg. Off of Route 322, that runs today through Sunday. Um, there are some great items there, great food there, but, you know, they don't have everything. I mean, I have been looking now for really almost 40 years, Sean, for 
dogs smoking cigars while playing poker. Yes. Now, I, I would slice set, of Americana. Now, I would settle for someone selling dogs smoking cigars while playing billiards. <laughs> Now, now the combo of the two would just be, I mean, it would spice up the Sunbury Motors studio here incredibly. Neither one of the festivals carries classic art such as that. They're lost. They're lost. Thus, I'm a bit wary. So, (laughs) but that also means that the Beaver Stadium tours are taking place this weekend. And uh, I talked to Ken Hickman earlier, and I, I asked him, I said, what is involved in a Beaver Stadium tour? Well, you know, what you're going to get to see is all sorts of behind-the-scenes you know, places you know, here at Beaver Stadium, you know, whether that's you know, it's going to be the media room, it's going to be the home locker room, you know, we'll walk you out the tunnel you know, to the end zone. You know, I think we could probably just do that and make most most folks sure. happy. But you know, we'll also give you a look at the recruiting areas, the Letterman's Lounge, and take you up top to the Mount Nittany Club. Uh, what about the what about the buses? Buses involved in this at all? Uh, not not on not this, on one. this one. Okay, no. so not on this one. So they'll get a chance of the of the full tour. When you talk to them about the various areas, or your people talk about, you know, what do you want to impart to them about the various areas? It's the media room. Well, okay, it's more than just the media room. It's also the Clemens, you know. You know, lounge and viewing sure. area, things like that. So, what do you want to impart to them about that? About the tunnel? About the about the Fiori stones in the tunnel and things like that? Do you do go through all of that? Yeah, it's you know, what we try to do is you know, talk about you know what you know what happens in each space. You know, both you know, during the week leading up to a game as well as on game day. Um, you know, and you know, for certain spaces, um, what happens the rest of the year? Because you know, there are certainly spaces, you know, whether it's you know, recruiting, Letterman's upstairs in the club. Yeah, that are available for events. You know, um, you know there's all sorts of uh, weddings. You know, uh, we've had high school proms here. Also, you know, so it, it's. I think a lot of Quarter, folks quarterback club. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah, we, we, you know, we have a lot of folks who think stadium, just think football. But yeah, you know, this facility does get used for a lot else. It does. Um, what reactions do you see? What, what's the greatest reaction? Is it actually going through the tunnel to the field, or is it the locker room? No, it's got, it's got to be walking out to the field. Yeah. You know, it's you know, I think there's probably, you know, at least in every Penn State alum, some little part that's always wanted you know, to know what it feels like you know, to come you know, come bursting out of that tunnel at, at the start of the game. You know, and you know, you know, this is an opportunity to you know, kind of connect with that a little bit. Are pictures encouraged? By all means. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, some people yeah. ask. They don't know if they're allowed yeah. to take pictures or not. Um, yep, yeah, we, yeah, we, we encourage you know, folks to bring you know, bring cameras. You know, take lots of pictures. Uh, we, we don't allow video. Right. Um, but you know, you, you bring your phone. You know, you know, get it out. You know, you know, get that picture down on the field. You know, get that picture you know, in front of a locker. Uh, and you know, just really let people you know, you know that, you know, that you've, been, you've been there and seen it. World War One exhibit's been very successful here. Yeah. Uh, the Armistice, by the way, the hundredth anniversary yep. is coming up. Uh, how long will you take that exhibit, and what are the thoughts on possibilities moving forward? Well, you know, you know the uh, field to front exhibit, which looks at all of our uh, athletes who served in World War One, will be up through the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, something that's timely. You know, we'll be celebrating Levi Lamb Day next Wednesday. Uh, uh, Levi Lamb was our first uh, three-sport letter winner. Um, superstar in you know, football, just an absolute beast in wrestling, you know, and a standout in track. Um, he was the first former athlete to die during the war. Yeah. Um, you know, the uh, we've had a, the uh, annual fund has been named for him you know, since 1953. Right. But the centennial of his death is next Wednesday, so we'll be doing a lecture here at noon, you know, talking about who he was, what his contributions were, 
You know, there'll be videos on uh, social media, you know, all sorts of posts talking about his life, his legacy. You know, just you know, I think for decades, folks have gotten that uh, NLC renewal form. It says you know, you know, that they're contributing to the Levi Lamb Fund, and they probably don't have the slightest idea who this guy was. Uh, you know, we're going to try to work on that a bit this coming week. That that would be great, and I believe. He has a relative that lives in the D.C. area. He, you know, he does, uh, and you know, you'll you'll see a bit. of His name's Ed Hoke. Yep. You know, and you will you will see you know, some video f- uh, featuring Ed next week. Good. You know, he was nice, nice enough. Drove up. You know, uh, worked with our video guys you know, for an hour or so two weeks ago. It would really give the family perspective. And for the. I realize one of the features we'll do on the football TV show this year on the, quote, Roar segment yep. will be on this particular day coming up. Now, we won't be able to film it on that day, but we'll, you know, you yep. and I will talk about this when we're off the air. But that's that'll be one of the features just in a three-minute form, who was Levi Lamb yep. and, you know, and about the fund. Yeah, and so. just and you, you, know, you kind of dig into his career. And hey, this is a guy who hey, four years of varsity wrestling was beaten twice. And one of the two guys who beat him, was a former Olympian who never lost in his four years of college right. competition. All right. And so it's one of those. That I remember going into Wagner Building, and that's where the ROTC is. Mm-hmm. And his plaque is up there, along with Wagner's plaque and others. And, you know, it's, and I know people have stopped and looked at it, but, again, it's one of those. That, that's, that's a select few that do that, though, that actually. And to learn more about him. What did it take to pull that together? Because you are talking about somebody who passed away 100 years ago. Uh, well, you know, it's you know, a lot of research on our part. You know, it, you know, some, you know some of it's you know uh, fairly traditional, digging into things down at the university archives, you know, digging into our own collections here, finding relatives. There. Yeah, it's you know what we've done, you know, you know, both for Levi and for the exhibit that's up is you know, what I would call kind of reverse genealogy. You know, and I, you know, not not to put in a big plug, but you know, it really helps to have things like Ancestry.com. That's, yes. You know, that just aggregates all the records, makes it a lot. You know, it's all publicly available stuff, but when you can search in one place, um, you know, it let us track down you know all the descendants of these guys. You know, and both, you know, you know to get things you know to put into the exhibit, but you know also to really collect the family stories. You know, so it's not you know, what we have with the exhibits, not just the kind of cut and dry, you know, you know, this happened there on this date kind of history. You know, we, we, we try to make it much more personal. When you got a hold of Chris Hoke, I believe his name is Ed. Ed Hoke. When you got a hold of him, how taken aback were they by the fact that you, A, found them, got a hold of them, and told them what you were doing? You know, I think both in their case and with, with a lot of these families, um, there's a little bit of surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at, at least in Ed's, you know, Ed, you know, Ed has done some stuff with the university in the past right. you know, because Levi's name is Absolutely. on the fund. But, right. You know, with a lot of these folks, it's, wow, how'd you find me? Right. <laughs> First off. But it's also, like, somebody's actually interested and cares. You know, I didn't know that anybody... You know, it really cared what your great grandpa did, or you know, my grandfather did, or in a very few cases, you know, you know uh, their father. Right. You know, I've talked to a couple folks who are in their in their mid nineties, you know, who thankfully are still alive, have been wonderful resources. The uh, with the football season coming up, anything special you want you want to put in here, or 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 because certain exhibits aren't quite out of their shelf space yet or history space you're going to keep that well, you know, I, th- you know, I think on, on the football front you know, I certainly invite folks to come up we just put a new exhibit in here in the lobby you know, this week that looks at all of our different football facilities you know, you know, from, right. you know, it's going all the way back to old main lawn right 
Yeah, and you know, one of the things that I got a real kick out I did, of. I did that game. I, I, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> now that does by telegraph, right? <laughs> Fuck no. We did it off a of ticker tape. It was great. Uh, but you know that first game, you know, like you think about what Old Main Lawn looks like. You know, you'd think they'd play it east-west. Right. They played it that first game north-south. And I think most folks who've walked over there know there's a little bit of a hill. <laughs> so you, know, you get into the recaps of, of that first game. They talk about how much better we did when we literally got to, to run downhill. <laughs> uh, you know, as we took on what was then our you know, arch-mortal Bucknell. nemesis, Bucknell, you know, the only game that mattered. And they think somebody else is the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually the bison. Yeah. Uh, I'll let Joe Susan over there, the head football coach there, now know about this. Yeah, look, I, like you look at you look at the uh, history of some of those games with Bucknell. There's one time that we went to Lewisburg, and our traveling party was met at the train station by a crowd wielding clubs and baseball bats. And oh, I know the feeling at the press box entrance. What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Back to the uh, tours. How can yeah. people get involved in the tours this weekend? And what are the times? Sure. You know, you know, for Beaver Stadium tours this weekend, you know, we invite folks to come on up. You know, we're uh, you have a tour today at four o'clock. You just come to the South uh, Team Tunnel. You know, here at Beaver Stadium, you know, we'll be doing tours tomorrow, uh, ten, twelve, two, and four. Uh, you know, same times on Saturday. Though, though I've been told Saturday is sold out. Okay. Yeah, it's you know, we do sometimes take standbys. And so if you, if you want to roll the dice on Saturday, we certainly welcome you to come up. And sure. you know, if we can fit you in, we'll get you in. That's great. I look forward to it. Yeah. Always a pleasure. As always, great to see you. You too. Ken Hickman, in charge of the All Sports Museum at Penn State. Next half hour, we'll talk to a writer for Pelicans.com on Tony Carr in the Summer League as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors. It is interesting. You were telling me in the break how. Um, Jerry Kramer, I guess, tried on his gold jacket for the first time today. Yeah, Pro Football Hall of Fame posted a little uh, video on social media on Twitter. And, uh, yep, looks good in the jacket. He goes, I've waited 50 years for this, and it doesn't get any better than this. Oh. Yeah, something tells me he won't be delivering his uh, speech to his high school alma mater. Um, so He's got plenty of time to do that uh, after the ceremony in Canton. <laughs> yeah, amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh Jack called me. Jack Ham called me today. Yeah, we probably talked for half an hour, and about a wide variety of things. And at the end, Andy Russell's name came up. And look, Jack's Jack has been quietly trying to work behind the scenes and talk to various people about why he thinks Andy should be in. Now, to be honest with you, I think if there's any time to make it happen, it's next year. There might be a window. I'm not sure if, you know, there might be a window where they're going to allow more than a couple guys in from the veterans part. Here's the issue with it. You probably did not see Andy Russell play, did you? Still a little too young at that point. Yeah, see, I saw him play. And, of course, Jack played with him. And I said to Jack today, I said, look, I said, here's the here's the issue, man. You played on the same teams with him. I watched him play. 
So you knew how great he was as a player. I knew how great he was as a viewer. I said, but we're dwindling. And that's one of the reasons why I think there's more of a push now to try and do it. He deserves to get in. Anybody who watches and knows the game knows that he's really good. And it, and it, the the absurdity that is declared by some, I think usually a lot of time, every once in a while it's someone in the media, every once in a while it's the fans. Okay? Well, there are too many Steelers in. Too many Packers in. That has zero to do with it. I mean, I turn it around and say, you know, Say the writer were from, I don't know, pick a paper, the New York Times. I said, well, are there, are there too many New York Times journalists in the Hall of Fame? Or, or are they just the people, the individuals just that good? Oh, that paper out in L.A., they have won too many Pulitzer Prizes. Right. There's no such, there's no such thing. These are individual awards. How do you stack up against the best of all time? It does not matter you know, if you were the twentieth Steeler taken, what the caps at nineteen? No, no cap on that. No cap on individual honors, based on where the individual honor, you know, took place. And that's one of the great fallacies out there. Are there too many New York Yankees in the Baseball Hall of Fame? It doesn't matter if there's, you know, there's no such thing as too many. If you're deserving, you're in. You know, if Mariano Rivera deserves it, which we, we all know he does, and Derek Jeter, they deserve it, they're in. Now, I mean, now can you maybe debate the borderline guys between like a Jorge Posada or a Bernie Williams or somebody like that? Sure. But I wouldn't leave them out because there are too many Yankees. It's only because based on their full body of work compared to the uh, the bodies of work I've looked at over the years, are they Hall of Fame worthy as bodies of work? Andy Russell's uh, body of work is absolutely Hall of Fame worthy. Absolutely. Two-way linebacker, knew how to play, came out of the one of the darkest eras in Steeler history and was the key, one of the key cogs in bringing it to the brightest era in Steeler history. So... Yeah, I mean, so I mean, so Jack and I actually talked about that for a while. I mean, how in, how important it is, and then of course, you know, death match twenty eighteen that had to come up too. So, oh, that's about a month and a half away. That's right. Uh, oh, believe me, it's already been planned out. <laughs> Be uh, it, look, it, that's you know, I mean, it's we've got tea times, we got reservations, we got it's all, it, it, you know. It's it's all there. <laughs> <There's> no... <laughs> all you gotta do is show up. Yeah, and there have been a few times in the in these tournaments where that's all I have done. <laughs> <laughs> Bail, me out, few... Bail me out. <laughs> then, then there have been a few times where I played really well and I bailed him out. So I don't. <laughs> you know, but so what direction yeah. is it going to go this year, or is it still too early to tell? Well, we, he and he and I have paired up to win the last two, so. So we're just going to keep doing what we do. <laughs> All right. Look, Summer League basketball, NBA Summer League gets more publicity than ever. And 
I have absolutely zero problem with that. You know, ESPN's a 24-hour sports network with the NBA contract, and they have time slots to fill it. If you've heard me say once, you've heard me say a hundred times on this show that the best part of a sports network is live sports. Well, the NBA Summer League is live sports. You know, the key is to put it into perspective. So Tony Carr is playing in the NBA Summer League with the New Orleans Pelicans. He was the only Pelicans draft choice. We'll talk to one of the writers from Pelicans.com, get a read on him and a few other notes in the next half hour as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app. 